Welcome to our final message in our series on the five practices of faithful congregations. The practice for this message is extravagant generosity. And I know the preacher's talking about money and you probably don't want to hear it. But Jesus talked an awful lot about money and because he did, we have to as well. Where your money is, there your heart is also. Our text comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 15. The point is this, the one who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and the one who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each of you must give as you have made up your mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to provide you with every blessing in abundance, so that by always having enough of everything, you may share abundantly in every good work. As it is written, he scatters abroad. He gives to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way for your great generosity, which will produce thanksgiving to God through us. For the rendering of this ministry not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also overflows with many thanksgivings to God. Through the testing of this ministry, you glorify God by your obedience to the confession of the gospel of Christ and by the generosity of your sharing with them and with all others, while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God that he has given you. Thanks be to God for his incredible gift. Let us pray. Almighty God, we do thank you for all that you've given us. You have blessed us beyond anything we could ever deserve. But Lord, we understand that we are merely stewards of these blessings. You have entrusted our gifts to us for your work. So Lord, help us to give generously, to faithfully use all that you have given us to bring in your kingdom into this world. Lord, I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. The Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. A few weeks ago, my family went for a late-night meal to Waffle House. During the meal, my wife noticed that a customer was having difficulty paying for the meal he and his family had already eaten. Apparently, his cards were not good. They were uh, over the limit. I didn't know what was going on, but Melissa quietly slipped out from our table, went to the counter, and as inconspicuously as possible, paid the man's bill, including the tip. Then she quietly returned to our table without any further conversation. I wasn't even sure what she had done, though I could guess. So I asked her, and she told me the story. I quickly did the math in my head and realized that our little spur-of-the-moment trip to Waffle House was going to end up costing us around $100 for three of us to eat, plus the other family, of course. For that, we could have had a much nicer meal but we would have missed the opportunity to be generous. Even though we encountered unexpected expense, I was glad to help. Honestly, I was truly blessed by the opportunity to help. Because there was a time, more recently than I care to admit, when I might have been that gentleman standing at the counter, nervously perusing cards, hoping that one might have enough on it to cover my balance due. It seems odd, even counterintuitive, that putting our own interest first actually disadvantages us. 
when I was focused on getting everything I wanted and paying for all of the experience I wanted my family to have, I never had enough. I was literally going broke trying to cover the cost of our wants. In 2019, I was so focused on meeting all of our wants that I wound up spending $18,000 in interest, most of it credit card interest. It's what Dave Ramsey calls stupid tax, and it's accurate in my case. I was stupid for paying it. I was making the credit card companies rich while I was trying to make us happy. The only thing that happened is they got rich. We were seeking our happiness first. And the thing is, we weren't very happy. I especially wasn't happy. I was super stressed about finances. It's hard trying to shuffle credit cards around to pay bills. And it left me without the resources I wanted to be generous. If we'd have met that guy in the Waffle House a few years ago, well, he'd have just been on his own. We certainly couldn't have stepped in and helped out. I was seeking my own happiness, but I wasn't happy and I wasn't able to help anybody else. What's more, I knew I was in the wrong. I knew what scripture teaches about money, and quite frankly, I was ignoring it. Everything we have belongs to God. We are simply stewards of our money, investing it in God's purposes. Every time the word tithe came up, I would simply cringe. I talked a lot about putting God first. You know, seek first the kingdom of God, Jesus alone is enough. Take up your crosses and be willing to sacrifice all for the cause of Christ. They were lofty words, and I wanted to believe that I meant them. I remembered Paul's words in the passage. Love, the Lord loves a cheerful giver. The word cheerful there can actually be translated hilarious. The Lord loves a hilarious giver. I, I knew those things. And I taught those things. And I was being a hypocrite. We made a conscious decision to do better. We committed to being more generous with the church. Our commitment to the church forced us to make better decisions with the rest of our money. When we decided up front that we were going to give away money to help those, give away to the cause of Christ, then it forced us to be careful with the remaining money to make sure we made better decisions. We ate at home a little bit more often. We chose some Cheaper entertainment sometime instead of the more expensive things. It did feel good to make a positive change with our gifts. We were really doing good. Not doing well now, but doing good. We were doing good for others. The change it created in our overall discipline began to improve the rest of our financial lives as well, though. We've consistently increased our giving. We've drastically reduced our debt. Our interest expense now is a mere fraction of what it was in 2019, most of that interest due to a car loan. And surprisingly, we've had the ability to enjoy even more family adventures. By being more disciplined in our giving, we became more disciplined in the rest of our lives. And lo and behold, the problem wasn't the amount of money I was making, but the amount of money I was spending. The discipline has been a blessing to us. To be clear, I'm not offering generosity to the church as a get-rich-quick scheme. That's not the way it works. You may hear that from some prosperity preachers, but I am not one of those. I am not telling you that if you 
will just right now start tithing to the church, then all of a sudden God's going to pay off your bills. I don't know that. I don't promise that. But what I do know is that extravagant generosity and faithfulness to biblical principles is liberating. When we commit to being extravagantly generous and live more faithful to what the Bible teaches us, it is liberating. It enables us to bless the man at the Waffle House. For years, I said that I wanted to be more generous, but I didn't think I could. I dreamed about it. Melissa and I would sit around and talk about one day when we're finally free from all of this debt, there's so many ways that we want to be a blessing to other people. We want to pick up somebody's check uh, anonymously at a restaurant. We want to give a waitress a big tip. We wanted, we really, really said that we wanted to be generous, but I didn't think we could. When I started Even with small steps, I discovered incredible freedom and joy. Maybe you're already extravagantly generous. Thank you. You know the joy that comes with it, and you're an inspiration to the rest of us. Thank you for for that. Wesley encouraged us to gain all you can, to save all you can, and to give all you can. You're doing that, and I celebrate it with you. But maybe being generous seems out of reach. Maybe you feel trapped by your situation, by your finances. Well, I want to encourage you. You don't have to go from where you are to a tithe or more overnight, all in one step. Small steps make a difference. Eat at home one time a week and be generous with the savings. Eat sandwiches one night instead of pizza. And whatever you save, give to help somebody out. But warning, it's addicting. It's addicting to discover that you can bring joy to somebody else's life with your generosity. Take those small steps because small steps will lead you on a long journey, a long positive journey. This week, I encourage us to to assess our generosity. How are we doing? Are you a hilarious giver? If not, then commit to making a change and take that first small step that leads to freedom. Amen.